When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. The Mind Aware, 280. Well, it starts with you feeling good. So excited to have 15 to 30 minutes of just pure fun right now. This is going to be good. Yay! I love that. <laughs> oh, that sounds nice. I'd like that. I'll mm. get that for myself right now. Be perfect every minute of every day. Never have another drop of sugar. Because I think if you say that to people, everybody's going to freak out. Hi, Dana. It's great to see you. I mean, not see you, but be with you today. <laughs> what I found to be the secret. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be great? I love it. You know, when you're clear, what you choose to show up in your life will and only to the extent that you're clear. That's the amazing capacity of the human mind. Hello, everyone. This is Dana Wild with the Mind Aware Show, and welcome. So, as marketers, we're really good at making money, right? Like, we know how to get out there, get the word going, make the money. And I don't know, but maybe you also know how to spend the money, right? And, and a trap we fall into, I think, as marketers sometimes, is that we know, well, we can just make more, and there's more, and there's more, and there's always more money, because it becomes easy to gain the traction on that end, but how do we get better at investing and saving the money, making those, not just nest eggs, but making money work for us? Well, guess what? I have a really interesting guest today. You're going to love him. His name is Phil Town, and he is the author of Rule One Investing, and he's got a really different approach on how to invest, and really, it connects so well with brain training. I know you're just going to love it. So, hi, Phil. Hi, Dana. Good to see you. Yes, it's good to have you here. And we've been having such an interesting chat before we actually even started to go live, just about, like, how you invest in your philosophies. And I want to get into some of that. But I want to start with why people don't invest more. Like, what do you think it is? Is it that they're afraid they're going to lose money or afraid they don't know what they're doing? Or why don't people stack more away into things that might bring them a return? You know, when I started investing, I started off as a river guide in the Grand Canyon. And the reason I didn't invest is because I didn't have the least bit of interest in it at all. And I sort of got drug into it by a guy I had taken down the river, and he, he made me his apprentice for about a year. Um, and I just learned how to do it. And I learned how to do it simply because when he showed me what he was doing, it, it's, a, it's an investment strategy that is about 85 years old now, I guess. It started back in the Depression um, with a guy named Ben Graham, who taught at Columbia. And then he taught his most well-known student, which is Warren Buffett. And Buffett taught my teacher, and my teacher taught me, and now I'm teaching everybody else. And it's just this really great strategy of investing, and I got caught up in it. But I would have never, ever pursued investing 
And I really didn't understand what was keeping other people away from it other than just, you know, not no interest until I started doing a podcast with my daughter, Danielle, who you would think, having grown up with me as a professional investor, would know how to invest. But no, she doesn't know how to invest. And I tried to teach her to change a tire. She wouldn't learn to do that either. So we have had this podcast going for about a year and we've, we've done and, and basically what I found out right away and, and, and I just didn't know was that my daughter was afraid of investing. It was it was a fear thing that was keeping her away from it. She was so afraid of investing that she was almost basically putting cash in her mattress. Yeah, she just didn't want to do anything with it at all. And it wasn't until she started to realize in, in the process of doing this podcast with me um, that not investing, even though she's a really good attorney, even though she's making really good money in merger acquisition law, she would have to work all of her life to finally achieve a retirement that would allow her to continue the lifestyle she wanted to live. And that kind of awakened in her the need to do something different. She didn't want to feel compelled to do the work all the time, having to work all the time. Well, you know, Phil, I've heard of this kind of philosophy, and I wish I could credit where I originally heard it, but it's the idea that there are, there are people who work for other people, and then there are people who are freelance, but they're still working like by the hour. And then there are people who are, you know, becoming like entrepreneurs running businesses where they have other people working for them. Some of them, a lot of our followers are direct sales. Maybe they've got teams generating money. But then the, the final kind of step in creating money is where you don't work at all because your money's making you money. Right. Like right. You're, and so it makes sense to me that like this is something you'd want to learn. And I can see. You know, you you mentioned a couple of reasons why people don't do it. I can see that some people just don't have any interest, and I know I was like that. Like, I had to really train my brain around, okay, good, this is going to be fun, and I'm going to be a money manager, and I'm going to learn this. But uh, I think fear is also a driving force. Maybe it's that, do you think people are giving themselves uh, negative messages about I'm I'm not smart enough to either learn this or I'm going to make bad business decisions and I'm going to lose all my money. Like, is this an inside job? Yeah, I think it is a, a largely an inside job. It certainly was as I started to learn to do this kind of investing. I discovered I had a lot of that inside job going on in my head. Um, you know, you know the concept of memes, right? Where where it's a sort of a genetic thing, but it's a, it's an idea that locks you in so deeply. It's difficult to escape, just like it's difficult to escape your genetic inheritances. And one of the memes that I'd gotten coming from a real blue-collar family, railroad workers out of the South, was that rich people, there's something wrong with rich people. <laughs> there's just something wrong. They've done something not quite right in order to end up with all that money. And um, and that took a while. That, that, that was hard for me. When I first went to this uh, to this mentor of mine, he had a Rolls Royce and a Ferrari and a Porsche in his garage and asked me to take a drive with him. And his idea was that it would sort of start to get my head wrapped around the idea that this is just a car and all that. But I was a Harley Davidson riding, long hair, goatee, river guide from the 10 years in the Grand Canyon when I started this. And I was really nervous that somebody would see me in this car. Who knew me? I, my God, I go into a bar after they think I've been riding around a Rolls Royce. I'm going to get beat up. So, 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. And we've all got our own little world of perception and stories that we're telling. Like, I know a challenge yeah. for me that I'm continually working on, even today, is this idea like, well, if I, how can I have all this much? then other people aren't going to have it. You know, like this whole idea of, oh, gosh, there, it's like scarcity. You know, there isn't enough to go around. And and um, why should I have so much while others are suffering, you know? Yeah, or that somebody's got to lose for me to win, yeah. right? Yeah. And, yeah. and this is, these are things I had to, had to understand before I could be really confident about going forward. And, you know, you not only just have to understand how to do it, but you've got to understand that it's doing the right things in the world if you're a moral person, you want the world to be better because of the things you're doing. And one of the things I love about entrepreneurs is that most of them are trying to do something that fills a need, right? They're, great entrepreneurs have solved so many problems for so many of us because they saw the need there in themselves and just went out and filled it, right? And it became this huge business. But I also see this in entrepreneurs all the time, which is, they're going from rags to riches to rags to riches to rags to riches as they have no real concept of making money work for them off to the side. So that, you know, that's, that's something actually is compared to entrepreneurship, investing the way I do it is brain dead. It is so simple compared to building your own company. Yeah, building your own business. Like, if we're smart enough to do that, people, let's face it, you know, this is not, it's not like uh, investing is going to be any harder than that. So so let me just give kind of a, a couple of quick tips from you about, like, what would be the first steps? Let's say somebody's listening to this and, you know, you're thinking, yeah, yeah, I want to dip my toe in it. And, and I'm going to actually give them some ways they can connect with you and get some free training. But let's say they were just going to make that first step into learning about investing. Anything else that, you know, any other advice you would give right now? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the basic thing that a lot of people are concerned about is that they don't know enough to be able to pick good companies to invest in. And so the first thing I would say is let's, let's start thinking about investing as um, owning a piece of a business. All right. Instead of this weird thing about buying stocks, we're just going to own a piece of a business. Not only that, but we're only going to own 20 of them in our lifetime. So we're just going to take take a tremendous amount of time to just take it easy, be very patient, and we're going to pick one. And that first one is going to be something that we already have a passion about. We already are talented in it or we're already spending our money on it or making money doing it, right? In other words, we're going to start right where we live, right there. And you'll be amazed. There's dozens, if not hundreds, of companies that will suddenly come out of the woodwork when you start that little process. Do you know why, too? What I love about your process, Phil, is this is the old brain thing of the reticular activating system. You've narrowed it down so much where you've said, like, you know, look where you live, look what you're passionate about, and Frankly, when you're coming from that criteria, when you're narrowing it there, you feel excited to invest because you want to help that company and you want to help them grow. You know, maybe it's a company with a really powerful mission, right, or or some kind of they're doing some good in the world, or maybe it's a locally grown company. I mean, this is really yeah. smart advice. I've never heard this before from anybody. Well, Dana, I didn't dream it up. My daughter came up with it because she's looking for some reason to spend 15 minutes a week doing investing, right? Just a little bit of time. But she needed a reason because she's busy. She's doing other things. She's building her career. And the reason that that just got to her was that 
she wanted to put her money where her values are. So kind of put your money where your mouth is, right? And she realized after a little while that when she's giving other people her money in a 401k or an IRA or in a index fund or mutual funds, she's basically abdicating the responsibility for the voting that that money does for what the future looks like, for what kind of companies are being uh, operated in America, what kind of leaders are we allowing to run? I mean, do we really want the kind of CEOs we have right now who have raised their paycheck to where it's 500 times larger than their average employee. There you go. And you get to have a say in that when you do your homework. On that. Yeah, you get to have a vote on that with your money. And, I, you know, I like to vote for guys like John Mackey at Whole Foods. I mean, I love this guy. I love his values. I love the way he treats employees. I love the, the mission of the company. And when you find that you're helping these companies with their mission, that, that things are important to you to see in the world in 20 years for your kids to live in, suddenly voting your dollars yourself becomes pretty interesting as compared to just giving it to some fund manager who could care less. Yeah, oh my gosh, you get me fired up just talking about it. You know, I can draw an analogy for you that I think you'll like here. I know part of the reason why I wanted to be abundant and, uh, you know, have my own business was that I wanted to give back to charitable organizations. And so I um, thought myself, you know, I'm going to start an animal rescue one day. I'm going to start my own animal rescue. Like, that's the big dream. And I was going along, and it hit me one day, you know, Dana, you could start now just volunteering at an animal rescue. You don't have to wait until you can start the whole animal rescue. Go start scooping litter somewhere and, you know, dip your toe in the water, and eventually you'll learn enough that you'll maybe start your own, maybe you won't. But the idea is you, you're doing something now, and that's what this sounds like to me. You know, we all want to have conscious businesses. We want to do good in the world. Well, when you're investing with your dollar in good businesses, you're taking a little piece of that right now, and I love that. I, I want to give some earls here because I know people are already getting as excited as I am just talking to you. So go check out Phil. I'm going to give you a couple of places where you can check him out. He's got some really neat uh, opportunities. First of all, his site is Rule One Investing. If you go to ruleoneinvesting.com slash mindaware, there's going to be some opportunities for you to opt in for educational opportunities. But one of the coolest ones I think he has, if you're anywhere near Atlanta or you're wanting to go there, he actually does – a three-day workshop for yeah. free, free is the price. That's my favorite price, right? Free. And and on top of that, he's not even going to sell you anything when you're there. Like the idea is come in for three days, learn this stuff, and that's it. No big pitch, none of that. So if you're in the Atlanta area, go check him out. He does one once a month, rule1investing.com slash mindaware. This is Dana Wild with the Mind Aware Show. We're going to be back with Phil Town in just a second. I'm going to check in with our live Facebook audience because we're here every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 a.m. Pacific. Let's see what they've got to ask Phil, and I'll be right back. What's going on with you? You seem so up all the time, and your business is on fire. What are you doing? I started Train Your Brain You. It's the only program for entrepreneurs that addresses mindset and business growth strategies. The idea behind the program is that when you feel good, you act great, and it's awesome. You can check it out at trainyourbrainu.com, and that's trainyourbrainu, the letter U, dot com. Is it expensive? Seriously, it's like you're a whole different person. 
It's only a dollar a day, and you get all the latest tools to help you stay positive and grow your business. You would love it. Where do I go again? TrainYourBrainU.com. That's TrainYourBrainU, the letter U, dot com. Check it out today. Hello, everyone. This is Dana Wild with the Mind Aware, and welcome back. You know, we're having a really interesting conversation with Phil Town. He is the author of Rule One Investing, and he's got a really cool podcast, by the way, with his daughter, especially for those of you that are new to investing. It's called Invested. You may want to check it out because it really kind of gives you a perspective from somebody who's just kind of you know, got 15 minutes a week and kind of dipping her toe in investing. How do you get started when it's not your thing, really? And really, it should be all of our things. Like, it's part of doing business, isn't it? Being good money managers. And sometimes the part of the brain that loves marketing is the part of the brain that doesn't love investing in numbers. But I think we can train our brains and turn that around, especially when you're doing it like Phil's doing it here. He's talking about really exciting fun ways to get yourself fired up about it by investing in companies that you love and that you're passionate about. Don't you have companies where you just really support them with your dollar by shopping there because you love their mission? Well, guess what? You can invest in those same companies. Like, duh, who knew, right? (laughs) So let's get into it. By the way, connect with Phil over at rule1investing.com slash mindaware. Rule1investing.com slash mindaware. Go over there and check him out because he's got really good programs for free. So, um, Phil, I want to ask you a question that we kind of talked about a little bit before the show that I don't think most people think about investors this way. And so I want you to break a myth for me. You actually were suggesting that most or many of the successful investors are really more tuned in and tapped in you know, connected, uh, mindful, um, spiritual, into meditation maybe, than, than one would realize. Like we think of, of investors as kind of these Wall Street types that are portrayed in the movies, but you're saying, no, really, there's a lot more people out there with art and who are trying to do things in a connected way than you, you think. And so can you tell me a little bit about how that has served you in your business? Sure. I, well, first, let me um, let me say that that I I think that the uh, the portrayal of the Wall Street you know the Wall Street person in in movies like uh, The Big Short, for example, you know these these guys who wear you know five thousand dollars suits and three hundred dollars ties and it's just all about the money. That's pretty true. <laughs> okay, so there's no myth busting on that particular. <laughs> That's Wall Street is oriented toward uh, a paradigm where you're the victim and they're you're the sucker they're the ones that know who the sucker is at the poker table and they're just going to take your money i think you know wolf of wall street and and the big short presented wall street in a very unflattering way but it deserves every bit of it and um and the guys that i know who are hedge fund managers many of them i think without any well maybe one exception maybe david einhorn is the exception who lives in New York, but virtually all the rest of them moved out of New York because of that problem, that culture, um, and and they got away from it so that they weren't caught up in that New York thinking and sort of group think about things. Because to be a successful investor, you have to be apart from the mob. You can't go with the mob. You can't do the index. You can't do broad mutual funds and expect to do better than the market. It just isn't going to happen. And so these 
investors that I call rule one investors that follow a basic set of principles we can talk about. These people have moved away. Um, one of my friends is in Zurich, right? Another one is, well, one of my favorites is in Omaha. That's Warren Buffett. Charlie Munger, his partner, is in Pasadena. Um, Monash Pabrai, who's one of the greatest investors I've ever been around, is in Newport Beach, right? The, uh, Dan Loeb, he named his, he named his hedge fund third point because that's the, the, the waves he likes to surf off of Malibu. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. And so what you're saying is this this is a different kind of investing than what we think of when we think of investing. And that's why and actually it's kind of in tune with well who we are as entrepreneurs then in that we need to kind of follow our own voice and and you know we do. stand our and ground. I, and I, I really wanted to point out one more thing, and that's that the maybe the most successful hedge fund manager in history is a guy named Ray Dalio, who's a guy my age, who started investing 36 years ago and has averaged averaged 18% a year for 36 years. And he has 120 or 150 or $180 billion, I'm not sure what it is right now, billion under management. And Ray attributes a great deal of success to the fact that he started meditating about 40 years ago. And just doing a simple meditation technique. I started meditating in 1972. Um, my brother started in 1970. He's an investor with me. Um, there's something about going going deep in whatever whatever works for you. My wife knows how to meditate, but her meditation is actually out in the woods, walking quietly through the woods. So one of our sons is the same way. He gets it right out there. And what that thing is, is tapping down into something that's bigger than you are. And in that, it kind of settles you down. It, it, you know, it's like you get balanced. Or in the old 70s word, you get centered. And the idea when you're managing your own money is that you, the basic fundamental technique that we use to make a tremendous amount of money is that we're ready to invest in good companies when there's a lot of fear. So we want to buy the fear. We don't want to sell into fear. And in order to be able to do that kind of thing, where, where you're looking at Whole Foods after the meltdown in 2008, and Whole Foods is available for $6 a share. It had been at $90 a share, right? But no one's buying it. Because why? Well, first, 85% of the money that's in the stock market is managed by institutional investors who live in New York. And they get caught up in the group think, and the group think in 2009 was get the hell out of the market, right? Get away from the market. And so they're all doing that, whereas we're sitting here apart from this and just saying, okay, what makes sense to own right now that I have on my list, my shopping list of, of 10 things? What can I buy today? And we simply allow the market to go from its, its culture of being enormously over-enthusiastic about the future down to becoming massively depressed. And when it's massively depressed, we invest. And when it's massively enthusiastic, that's when we sell and go back to cash and wait for the return of the cycle to massively depressed. So, <laughs> you know what it's, it's like? It's you're hitting me. It's like you're not money managers as much as you are emotional managers. It's oh, like, you, you know, people get so stuck yes. into the, the, the yes. you know, maelstrom of frantic emotions that are around and we buy into everything. It's like if you can stay separate from that, which is what we're good at as brain traders, 
we're good at being able to pull back and be aware. That's why we call the company the mind aware. Be aware and realize, like, when everybody else is screaming fear, you don't need to be that person doing that. You can be the center in the middle of the storm, you know? Yeah. And you prepare for that. So there's a series of things. It's not an accident that you're picking a company like Whole Foods or, you know, because you've done your homework. And there's basically four things you're looking for in a company that the first three determine that it's a really good company. That is, number one, you feel you're capable of understanding it. And the second thing is that it has and something intrinsic to it, something baked into it that protects it against competition. We call that a moat. And the third thing is it's got people running it that share your values, right? Like John Mackey shares my values. you got good people running it. If it has good people running it who have integrity, if it has some kind of a moat, and if you understand the business, that's bingo. That's, that's dead center in the bullseye. So you put that one on your list, and then you do a couple of things to learn how to value a business that are really simple, just the way we would value a real estate investment, for example. They're all, all done about the same way. For example, if I can buy a company all cash, let's say let's say I buy the house next door all cash, and after I pay all my expenses from the revenue from the rent will leave me with 10% that year and the year that I bought it, that would be a pretty good deal. I'd be making 10% a year, right? So if we can buy companies at that sort of a price, we're going to buy them. It, that's that's how difficult. So basically, the, it sounds to me like the first three decide whether it goes on the list or not, and the yeah. fourth one is kind of like, okay, is this the best one now? Is this is a it viable the one? one? Yeah. And so the market mostly sells things at full price or more, mostly, okay. right? But once in a while, we have this wave of fear that goes through the market, and we have a recession in the economy, and that happens about once every 10 years. Like clockwork, it's just the economic cycle. And so when the economic cycle goes to recession, these wonderful businesses start to get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And the, the key is just to know when it's cheap enough. Not to know when the bottom is, right? But just when is it cheap enough that I know I'm going to buy this, it's going to be around 20 years, it's going to make me money. And cheap enough looks like a 10% yield on the price of the business from free cash flow. And that's all we look for. It's just like buying real estate. It's really simple, but you have to be extremely patient, number one, because it only comes along every 10 years or so. So you're going to load up every 10 years. And the rest of the time, you're basically managing those those investments by watching them once a quarter. And uh, and that's it. And well, you control it, it, your emotions. Exactly. Say it again. I didn't mean to step on you, you there. You have to control your emotions. That's the key to everything. Because you're going to be investing your hard-earned money when everyone is saying, get away from the stock market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and brain traders, like I say, are great at it, so I love it. And I like you make it simple because I think the reason people either are afraid of investing or they feel like it's it's such a complicated world is because they're looking at the whole big picture. And you're saying, no, you don't have to look at all of that. You're only looking at this thing, the thing that you're passionate about, you know, and the thing that is viable. And so it narrows it down. I, I just love it. You know, Phil, I have a feeling we're going to have to have you back, and I could just talk to you all day, all day long. But do you have any parting advice for anybody as they're listening to this? Yeah, I'd say that the difference between knowing how to invest and leaving it to people who don't share your values is basically two important things. Number one, they're going to create the world the way they want it and you should be creating it the way you want it. You should vote your values. And number two, the process of learning to invest 
can leave you with what we call generational wealth, which means it's not just going to change your life. It's going to change multi-generations down the road, their, your children's lives, their children's lives. And that's to me, is one of the most incredible things about it, is that not just for you, but for what's going to come from you into the future, we'll have your values being expressed in capital to certain companies, and your kids are going to live a massively different life than you thought they would. Damn, that's nice. Leave a legacy, people. Don't you love it? That's good. That's really good stuff. Phil, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. I love this show. It's so great. I enjoy you so much. So thanks for doing all right this. Right back at you. So remember, rule one investing slash mind aware. And hear what he says. You know, it's funny because this is a transition as an entrepreneur Hopefully, all, everybody's going to go through at some point. And so why not start to train your brain around it right now? Like, why not start to think like, yeah, that's a different way of looking at investment. I do want to be a good money manager. I do want to just put a little bit away, just like maybe I wanted to scoop the litter before I went and bought the whole shelter. Like, why not just dip your toe in it and try it out and invest with your heart rather than letting other people do it? You've got the best decision on how your money should be spent. You know the kind of company you want to support. So why not do it? And you know what? You can start today. Look at look at Phil's daughter. 15 minutes a week you can do it. It's just a matter of making that decision. So kick this around and start thinking about it today. Because once you start letting it simmer here, you know that you'll start to take those positive steps for it. And we'll see you next time on The Mind Aware. Bye, everybody. Uh, I don't know if this is the right analogy, but it's like, kind of like being drunk and like you got to get into your house. You know, like, okay, just walk <laughs> up the walkway, you know, one foot in front of the other. Holy free holies, right? Oh, they'll get my smile later. Later they'll think that that crazy lady was smiling. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing oh, yeah. the dishes and he's playing the banjo. We're talking fresh from your juicer. Each day is a new life we can create. And not looking at your smartphone or thinking about your next meeting, but just listening to people. If you're aware that we own a monkey. Because we're all about joy here at the Mind Aware, right? If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.